Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that might change your trajectory, or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. We delve into topics, we have conversations that are unlike anything you're going to see on any other entrepreneurial podcast that you tune into to discover how you as a business creator can be of greater service to your community, market, and audience. Now today, we are coming to you from my sumptuous living room in my apartment here in Las Vegas, Nevada, known to some as the hottest city in America. And I am joined by my producers, Princess Alessandra and Princess Stella, who, as many of our listeners know, are domestic short hair black cats. Alessandra is sitting on my lap, which is weird. She's not normally a lap sitter. But maybe that tells us that there's something special going on today. This could be one of those very interesting conversations. And I believe that if you are somebody who has the laptop lifestyle, who works from home, who is a multipreneur or a nurturer of multiple streams of income, this is particularly for you. It's about the remote CEO and the five-step success blueprint to build your remote business. Hey, I've already been three different places today with my laptop, and it's only early afternoon. Part of my secret to being able to be highly productive is I frequently move around during the day. I have different hangouts I go to. Sometimes I do it from home. Uh, Sometimes I go to this place, that place, or the other. It's a combination of the kinetic energy of just picking up and moving around and being in different environments that accesses different parts of my energy and different parts of my creativity so that I can do more. And if any of that sounds interesting to you, you're going to be very interested in my conversation with De Niro Bartolini. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's an online entrepreneur. He's got over a decade of experience with digital marketing and remote team building. I like this guy already. He helps entrepreneurs scale their businesses and work less. He's the founder of the Remote CEO Show, a top-rated podcast on remote business building and branding solutions. I don't know if it's one of the longest continuously running entrepreneurial podcasts on the air today like the Business Creators Radio Show is, but I think I'm going to stop by there and check out a few episodes myself because I love that topic. De Niro's advice for entrepreneurs has been featured in Forbes, Adweek, Yahoo Finance, and Thrive Global. He lives with his wife and daughter in Rome, Italy, and Toronto, Canada. Okay, lots of places to start here. De Niro Bartolini, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, Adam, what's up? 
All right. All right. So I read off your official bio. This is very impressive stuff. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be in your presence. And this is my show. So before we dive in, you gave us some talking points you want us to cover in the green room. We're going to hit all those. Uh, I'm not sure what order we'll hit them in. We are kind of a mastermind conversation format here. So it kind of goes to the flow while make sure we get everything that you have to say across. But before we do that, Let's hear it in your own words. Tell us a little bit of something about your journey that we haven't already revealed uh, that helped to inspire or drive you finding your place to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Absolutely. So my story begins when I, I moved. I moved when I was a teenager and moved from Italy and moved to Canada. I had family there too. And so I feel like that's the situation that a lot of entrepreneurs or people that generally speaking that just travel for work even or for school are in where they build a new life somewhere else. They have their family in another place. They become quote unquote successful elsewhere. And then they are kind of having to go back and forth, back and forth. And, and, and that was my big problem at the beginning because, you know, the United States and Canada, if you travel, I mean, like two, three, four hours, sometimes five hour flight, you are back home, wherever back home is. For me, it was an 11 hour flight or a 10 yeah. hour flight. And so back and forth, you can't do it that often. Um, and, and, and so after a few years that I was working at a, you know, successfully working at a nine to five job in Toronto, I, I, I told myself, you know, I can't do this. My family is getting, you know, my parents were getting older and things were, you know, happening. And it was like, if I keep on, on living this way, I am, I'm going to miss out on all those great opportunities that I have to hang out with the people I love most. And, and, and at that point, I decided, I said, I need to figure out a way to be location independent. Now, bear in mind, this was way before COVID, right? So I would, I could not just even come up with the idea of, you know, I'm going to contact my 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 uh, i'm gonna you know uh let my employer know that i want to travel and so the the logical next step was to open my business i'd already had quite a couple couple of years of experience in digital marketing at that point working for someone else and i decided to open my own digital marketing agency so from there uh you know long story short what happened is i built an amazing remote team uh many things happen in between i, I felt sick because i was working 16 hour days we can talk about that in a minute oh. uh, but then the apex of all this is that i was able to build an amazing remote team and my clients there was a tipping point where my clients were actually now coming to me to ask me questions about remote team building uh more than digital marketing and that's when i when it hit me i was like wait a minute I can actually build a consultancy instead of running my digital marketing agency. And so that's when the remote CEO and the remote CEO show started as a way to help entrepreneurs build these remote teams, work less only on the things that they need to work on and, uh, and delegate everything else. And so that's my story. All right. Uh, you know, I've been in the United States my entire life. I spent the first 30 some years of my life, uh, mostly in Pennsylvania. I come from Southwestern Pennsylvania. I did live at Penn State, which is in the middle of the state when I went to college. Outside of that, that's where I was from. In 2013, I decided that I wanted to get out of there. Well, actually I had already decided, I just hadn't taken action on it. And it took a few years to figure out what I was really going to do. And I noticed in the meantime that since I had started my own business and things had begun to move, 
that I was spending a lot of time on the West Coast, Los Angeles, San Diego, Las Vegas, Phoenix. And it felt like when I came out to the West that I was coming home. And when I went back to Pennsylvania, it felt like I was going out of town. I, yeah, like when I was out in, I mean, I always had a business reason to travel because when you're an entrepreneur, you always have a business reason to travel. And I think our listeners know what you're talking about, but I had friends, I had things that I did, stuff, you know, places I like to go. And uh, more than once I came up with a business reason to stay a little bit longer. And one day I was going over my books with my CPA And he pointed out that we had a lot of floating expenses on credit cards that were not being paid down, that were all derived from my trips to the West Coast. And he said, dude, why don't you just move? (laughs) Well, uh, come 2013, I looked at it and I said, all right, it's uh, I made the decision right after Independence Day. So like July 6th or something like that, I think it was whatever that nearest Saturday was, I um, I looked at it and said, all right, my apartment lease here is up in October. Can I be out of here by then? I looked at my I looked at my finances. I looked at my savings. I looked at what will go into it. And I said, oh, hey, I have two upcoming trips to uh, the West Coast here. I can look around at some places so I can combine business with, with home hunting. I pretty quickly landed on Las Vegas simply because of all the places I mentioned. It has the best standard of living, in my opinion. It was the thing that was most closely equidistant to what I experienced in Pennsylvania because I I knew that if I moved to the other places, I would have to make a fundamental change in my business real quick just to not be on the street, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But Las Vegas afforded me the opportunity for basically an apples to apples. Plus, if you look at it on a map, Las Vegas is in the middle of what almost looks like some kind of diagram where if you drive to any of those other three cities, it's about five hours either way or, 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 or any way. And I was thinking, I don't want to be, you know, having to constantly fly airplanes. I'd like to drive. So Las Vegas yeah. it is. Came out here, yeah. uh, got here beginning of November 2013 and uh, haven't looked back. One other point I want to make because you know you mentioned that you're you know you're you're Italian born I believe you said and then yeah. you moved to Canada you're going back and forth and everything else and this is not a political statement this is just me uh, making let's call it a sociological statement for what it's worth uh, if you look at people who make history the change makers the legends these are largely folks who immigrated somewhere or within the previous generation or two of their family, one of their parents had made an immigration and I'm, you know, I'm in favor of immigration. You know, we have this whole debate going on in the United States, which I think you're familiar with, you know, should we allow immigrants and or things like that? And I've always been in favor of legal immigration done the right way. Say whatever you want. I don't give a shit, but here's why I like it because I have found the people who have it within them to pick up and move to a completely different place also have other innovative traits that make them more likely to be wildly successful, whatever they do, because they simply have that drive to break paradigms and chains that say that they're supposed to stay someplace. I imagine you probably heard something back in Italy about 
how uh, maybe you had a responsibility or there was an expectation. You're supposed to stay in Italy, supposed to hang out around Rome or whatever other city you came from, supposed to find a nice local girl, start a family and things like that. And you ended up doing all those things. You just did it somewhere else. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. know what I'm, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. And once you move, uh, you know, the the new place often becomes your your new home. I I tell people all the time, I'm from Pennsylvania. My home is Las Vegas. My home is where I say it is. So when people say to me, "Do you ever go back home and visit?" and I say, "Yeah, I go home and visit every night to my apartment in Las Vegas. That's my home." Uh, I occasionally visit the place where I grew up. And my family occasionally comes out here to visit. They usually, you know, they, I, I, you know, since I moved out here, they've started taking a lot more vacations here for, you know, just because it's convenient. It is a nice place to hang out. We've got a lot of scenes. And again, you're within driving distance, a lot of other stuff. Great place, great place for vacation, Las Vegas is. And, uh, but that's my take on it. And pivoting to the topic of our conversation today and the whole remote CEO thing is, you know, one of the things that I've, you know, the, the, that I call the silver lining of COVID, because I believe that you should always invest in the silver lining because it's a precious metal, is mm-hmm. we saw a lot of breakage, which was long overdue, to this idea that it's not really work unless you go to an office. And it sounds to me like you might have made that discovery a little early on. So what have you, you know, what did you find in discovering the joys of working remotely? Yeah. So here's the thing. I lived in Toronto uh, probably about 15 kilometers from my office. It's not that much, but uh, I remember it used to take me sometimes even for sure over an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. Uh, on a good day, an hour and 10 minutes. And so I remember I would get to work and I was already stressed out. I was already sometimes late and so worried about management, you know, thinking that I was not serious about my job and whatnot. And then once I was done a long day at work, you probably know and if you're living in a big city, then you're definitely not looking forward to another one and a half hour drive home. And so I remember the first thing, that happened when I decided to work from home, I was like, wait a minute, if I just work the same exact amount of hours that I worked before and I wake up at the same exact time, um, I'm actually done my day two hours earlier. And so, you know, that's not in every case, right? There's some people that literally just get out of the house and walk to the office in five minutes. But the vast majority of people that work and commute on a daily basis, the same amount of hours that that you employ you know, working in an office can actually like shorten your day by again, two hours, sometimes even three hours. And so that was the very first thing that I noticed was, Hey, like I am totally not stressed out. Now I had some other new levels of stress and different types of stress. I would say like, for example, where's my next client coming from? How do I figure this entrepreneurship thing out? And so for sure, those are different types of stressors though. 
um, there are types of stressors that you know that you can solve. You know, when you yeah. work somewhere and there is traffic, you can't really solve traffic unless you buy a helicopter and you fly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these are things that are out of your control. Entrepreneurship stress most times is in your control. And so that is the beauty of, of working from home is even when, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, the beginning times were perfect. As a matter of fact, I kind of freaked out for many years. Um, and the reason why was mainly because um, I I was, again, working way too many hours on the things I was not supposed to work on. All right. So I'm talking about day to day stuff that I couldn't figure out that sorry that I that I didn't couldn't figure out yet how to delegate. But other than that, I think the biggest, uh, you know, takeaway was that, hey, every single day I can optimize my schedule and my life as much as possible. And, you know, I would spend about five to six hours working on my core tasks and about maybe 30 to 40 minutes uh, trying to optimize my workflow for the next day. And they yeah. started doing this. I talk about this in my book, work on three things. I work on uh, movers, optimizers, and routines. So the, okay. mover, the movers are all those tasks that by definition move your business forward. So I am a, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so I need to, of course, take care of sales. And then those are things like I... I'm a writer. I I, I like writing. I have a blog. I, I write books. So I need to write every day. So these are the movers, right? <laughs> then we have the routines. And so these ones are generally things that I do every single day to make sure that my physical health, my mental health, and my business run smoothly. So my daily meetings with my my daily huddles with my team, for example, or my workouts, my you know shower, self-care, whatever it is, meditation. And then I have this optimizers. <laughs> These optimizers are those tasks that <clears throat> you do every single day. Like, I, I get, again, 30 minutes, maybe sometimes it's too much. If you do it every day for years, you probably only need to spend like five minutes a day on this. But try and see what did I waste, quote unquote, waste time on today. And by wasting time, I mean, it could have even been something productive, but something that you repeat on a constant basis. They say that if you do something more than twice, like, you can probably figure out how to either delegate it or how to do it more efficiently. And so I started doing this with myself and, and I noticed that over the course of about five or six months, I was able to change, completely change actually, the trajectory of my business, my health and my relationships by optimizing my schedule. These are things that you're not able to do when you work in an office for someone else. Because they're yeah. giving you, well, sometimes, you know, if you're in sales, I, I used to be an inside sales. So I, I have to admit that I had quite a few opportunities to, to, you know, clean up my pipeline and to, you know, like work on my sales process and whatnot. But generally speaking, when you work for someone else, especially when you work in an office, you're given certain tools and a framework to abide by. And if you have a good manager, see, if you have a good manager that understands the importance of of you optimizing your workflow, uh, then you have that freedom. But when you have old school managers, they're like, okay, here's the system. You can't get, you know, off script, so to speak. That's really when, that's really what pained me the most. When I remember I had a manager that was like that. Uh, actually, that was one of the jobs where I looked at the manager one day. I just, uh, we had a bad meeting. I left for, went for a walk, called my wife and I was like, hey, I'm going to quit. 
And he thought that my wife was going to tell me, are you crazy? Where are you crazy? She's like, okay, I trust you. And I was like, oh my God. Now oh, oh man, man, no, man, man. whatever, whatever you need to do to keep this woman, dude. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, because up to that point, I, you know, she was always my voice of reason and right, like, you know, and so that time she was like, listen, you know, I understand you had not been happy in a long time. This manager's not giving you the freedom that you need to, you know, again, to optimize things, to work on yourself and blah, blah. I was like, you know what? You're totally right. I'm going to go. And so then that's when really it, it all happened. I, I was able to really. Uh, you know, quit my job. I had a couple of instances where I actually lost a job and then I got a new one and then lost my job again. And then after that, I mean, quit my job, then got another job, lost a job. And then after that, hey, like I was just 100% in my business. And, but long story short, working remotely allows you really to have full control of your schedule. And like you said, the places where you work, you know, I'm just like you. I'm. I wake up in the morning and I I work from uh, my living room where nobody. I work at five. I wake up at five a.m. By five thirty, I'm already working until eight o'clock for first two and a half hours. Uh, my daughter wakes up, take her to uh, take her to school, and then after that, I go to the gym. And there is a very cool spot near the gym where people hang out and they just bring my laptop and I work there for another two hours. And then I go back home and, you know, the idea of like being totally in control of the environment uh, really empowers me. And it's not like I know that it's not for everyone. You know, like if every I always say this, if everyone wanted to be a remote CEO, you would not have, (laughs) you know, any office or nobody would have like other types of jobs. So I know that it's not for everyone. But if you are the type of person that's been thinking about taking your freedom of choice regarding work to the next level, this is obviously one of the best choices you could ever make. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm I was what was considered unemployable when I had jobs. Now, my first job out of college, uh, this is after I'd completed my undergrad degree in political science at Penn State. I'd originally thought that I was going to go on to law school. And then right before I graduated, I decided that the practice of law was not something I wanted to do with my life. So imagine that you graduate with a four-year degree and you have no clue what you're going to do. So I got interested. I got interested for some reason in the temporary staffing industry. I went out. I I hustled. I I networked, and I and uh, I kept hearing with all these firms I was interviewing with, and there were a ton of them in the Pittsburgh area. They kept mentioning this one firm, and they said, "Have you applied there?" And I said, "Yes, I've applied there." And they said, "All right. So here's the deal: if you can get in with them, do it." You'll be there for probably a year. It'll be hell, but you'll be really good at what you do after that year. Then give me a call. And if I have a space, I'll hire you on the spot. Well, I did end up working for that company and boy, was it hell. And, uh, and my direct supervisor, oh my God, she, she, she should be a meme. But um, let me just cut to the chase. Eight months and 16 days in of dealing with all the stuff that you just described, uh, it comes to a point where, and this should have been a clue. When I was interviewing for the job, I was told that the company had 20 employees. Uh, when you count all the uh, the temp staffing recruiters, the headhunters, because it also had an executive placement side. Uh, there were 
there was an administrative assistant, an office manager, the two co-owners, and the person who became my supervisor, who was the boss's daughter. Um, I'm not going to make any comments on that. But uh, now, um, I was told that one of the perks of working there is that after I was there for a year, they would put my name on the front door. Now, I had walked through that front door for that interview. You know whose names are on that front door? The <laughs> co-owners, the boss's daughter, and the office manager. Oh, wow. All right. That should have been a clue, but I was 22 years old, and I wanted into this industry any way I could. And I already knew that I had an end game behind it. So eight months and 16 days in, it was obvious that I wasn't picking up and leaving. And I'm not going to get into theories, whatever, but let's just say that my boss wanted me to leave really bad. So she made up this total lie about me and then went and told her daddy, who then had a reaction that was more like, that was less like a boss dealing with an insubordinate employee and more like a, you said what to my daughter before I kick your ass? Oh my God. At this point, I thought, I thought to myself, and I, this was going on in my mind, but I don't think anybody in the room saw it. Um, is that I had been in my job, part of my, part of my role was to document our experiences with the temps we sent on an assignments, because after those assignments ended, the temps could apply for unemployment, and you, know, you didn't want them to get it. You wanted them to actually just uh, come back to us and get another temp assignment quickly. Uh, so I'm just thinking in my head, I just need this conversation to go a certain way where this madman asshole who's screaming at the top of his lungs going off on all these tangents says magic words that'll lock me in for getting unemployment even after I voluntarily resign. He said yeah. it, I walked out, I got my unemployment and I got a job with one of those people who said, give me a call. Wow. And I lost that job a week later <laughs> and that was the epiphany the temporary staffing really wasn't for me. Yep. <laughs> but around that time, I had already applied uh, for my M I had applied to uh, enroll for my MBA at Duquesne University. And I'd already been accepted by this point. It was about the second week of June in the year 2000. And I looked at it and I said, OK, so and this is where and this is the point I'm bringing up with this. I celebrate April 27th, the day that I lost that job as that 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 horrible yeah. job as my second birthday every april 27th i do a tribute yeah. over it and i also contributed a chapter to journeys to success the millennial edition that tells that story and there are two very important lessons i learned from that um, that had to do with shattering paradigms the first is that if you lose your job it's not the end of the world it's not on your permanent record. You're not going to be unemployable. And second of all, I'm going along with this, that if you leave a job without having another job, that's not going to be a black mark. They tell you it is, but it's not. Yes. So having recently learned that lesson, I thought, okay, so beginning of June, uh, it's, uh, I'm, going, I'm going back to school end of August anyway. So you know what? I've been busting my ass my whole life here. I'm taking 10 weeks. I'll do yeah. some. I got my unemployment check. Uh, you know, and, you know, I'm, you know, I was going to the gym every day. I was on a big, uh, I was on a big uh, physical optimization thing. So I thought, you know, I'll do these things, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm, uh, I'm just gonna, you know, pick up some labor jobs. So you know, cutting grass, digging ditches, building walls, and things like that. Man, I had a great time. Uh, you know, did some hard labor for a few hours a day. Uh, hung out with my buddies at night. Went to the clubs, uh, scouting for chicks and things like that. 
And uh, but I had in the back of my mind a lesson I already knew, which was all those paradigms about if you ever have an interruption in your career path, your career is over. <laughs> no, no. Well, pe- seeing during those 10 weeks, I had agency to go out and create my own income, even though what I was doing is I, I was doing like low level manual labor things, because really what I wanted to do is get outside and get worked up in a good sweat so I could burn some more calories. Yeah, that was that's actually what I was really in it for. And I wasn't in it for keeps. I was in it to have some spending money for 10 weeks. But Mm -hmm. that but the lesson that I realized retrospectively I learned is that if I ever found myself without income or needing more income, it might take a little bit of hustle and I might need to get a few things up and running uh, to get the engine going. But I can create that money. So that was that was the lesson from that. So another thing I want to ask. you know, and you've, we've already touched on a couple of the points you gave us here is, uh, you know, as far as what you're seeing in the environment of business, particularly over the past three years, and we've had this big shift to remote work from your point of view, you being in it, what are some of the benefits we've gained and also some of the drawbacks that we've seen from it? Well, here's the thing. Um, remote work really became a thing after COVID uh, be, uh, for employees, right? Um, yes. And so, and so, and so. I mean, at the end of the day, I can't not say how uh, it impacted me be, as an employee because it, that was not the case. But what I've noticed is that a lot of employers, because we have a consultancy and we help business owners build remote teams and build remote systems. What I've noticed is that more and more business owners are coming to me to get those systems because running a remote business or rather a business remotely is pretty much very different than running it in person. Now, there are many reasons why, and I can mention a few, a couple for sure. So the first one is the type of person that you hire. Now, think about this, Adam. If you hire someone to work right beside you, your main concerns are, are you going to show up on time? And what are your qualifications? What's your experience? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. When you hire someone remotely, your questions are going to be different. One of them is, is this person going to be bought in in our mission and our culture? Because if they're not, it's not going to be very easy for you to manage them because they're not in the same place. By definition, they're remote workers. And so what I've noticed is that a lot of entrepreneurs came to me and they were like, dear, we're having problems with our team. Um, We have to let go a lot of people and whatnot. And so we had to actually start writing new interview questions. Going back to what you were saying, like, you know, hiring the right people. You got to hire the right people that are motivated to work remotely. Like I said, not everyone is motivated to work remotely. Not everyone can be successful and, 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 uh, and really understand what it takes to be uh, to be working remotely in an environment where you could be in a room by yourself. I had a friend of mine. I remember he he worked. He was an amazing salesperson in the old company that we were at. We were over 150 salespeople. He was in the top five percent. He got awards and everything else. I remember when he quit. He had a couple of jobs. Then it's like, hey, can I work for you um, in sales? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I hired him without even asking them any questions because by experience, I thought, hey, this guy's great. 
unfortunately, I had to let them go. Well, we both like mutually agreed that it was not going to fit for him. And the reason why was because he was working from home in his home. He had a pretty poor guy. He, he, he told me this. I, I would not say this, but he said he had a pretty uh, depressing environment at home, like very small room, very poor lighting. You can imagine this is Toronto where it's really like dark and cold for the majority of the year for between November and, and April, end of yeah. April, beginning of May. And so long story short, the environment changed the, the, the employee, completely changed the employee's mentality. And so going back to what I was saying is one of the biggest challenges for businesses that are operate remotely nowadays is to find talent that is okay with working remotely in a productive manner. So first thing. Second of all, systems. You hear a lot of people complain about long meetings and everything else. Um, in reality, when you are working with a team, especially when I'm talking about sales here, um, meetings are absolutely important. Daily huddles with your team to set the right expectations every single day. Are right. absolutely crucial. I know a lot of business owners are able to run asynchronous teams across, you know, 15, 20, 30, uh, not 20, 30, no, but like 15 or 20 different time zones. And here's the problem with that. A lot of these business owners say, you know, like, oh, I we don't really talk to our team members or what we do, but maybe once a month. Realistically, uh, their business could run much better if they had those meetings. And I am not saying that you got to waste, you know, two hours a day in meetings. Absolutely not. It's oh, not God, a- no. God, no. I quit. No, exactly. Yeah. But, but a short 10 to 50 minute sales huddle every single day to set, again, not even the expectations, the right mindset on what's going to happen and to get people on the same page, especially when you're working in sales. Like I said, in other roles, not that important. If you are working as a web developer, if you're working in operations and you already have amazing tools that you're using, whether it's Todoist or Trello or whatnot, absolutely do your thing, speak to your team once a week if you want to. I I do at least believe that once a week you should speak to them. But, you know, if you're working with salespeople, especially if you're working with lead generation team members, these individuals that are already working in an isolated environment, most likely, or at least isolated from from the business, should be reminded of the goal, should be reminded what's at stake. And if you do this, again, in a very concise way, I always say this to every single one of my clients, and I mentioned this in the book, the meeting should be long enough to let your team, sorry, the meeting should be, uh, meetings should be often enough to let your team members know that you are around, but short enough to let them know that you value their time. Yeah. So often enough to be like, okay, this person is going to show up. I can't mess up. I can't, you know, sit on, you know, sit, sit and waste time for like a day or two because my boss will know, <laughs> but short enough so that, that your team members don't, don't, they're not going to be like, like you said, not, not like a two hour meeting. And so here's the thing, what we do right now with our team members, we have people that work from the Philippines all the way to Mexico and anywhere in between, literally like South Africa, Bulgaria, Egypt, uh, Lithuania, the the, the list goes on and on. They're all over the place. So that's also one of the reasons why I moved back 
now we're staying more time in Italy than in Canada. And that's one of the reasons why, because with time zones, I'm six hours ahead of Eastern time. Uh, I am seven hours behind the Philippines. And so when we have a meeting at around 2 or 3 p.m. my time, we're able to kind of like catch everyone at the same time. We have these short 10-minute huddles with all the salespeople. Um, and, and that's it. Again, just mentioning what's our mission? What's our goal? Why are we showing up on time? Why is it important that even though you are working, you know, in a remote area from your laptop, you still are part of a big team that cares about you. And so once we have this meeting off to the races, the day starts, everybody is on their own, so to speak. Of course, if there's an issue, they can contact me. I'm always available. Uh, but other than that, Adam, I mean, other reasons why or other things that I noticed since COVID with remote work, it's the fact that, uh, you know, businesses are trying to bring people back to the office, but unfortunately for them, uh, people are not settling for for conditions that are, you know, inhumane in a way. Honestly, listen, I remember working in an office downtown Toronto and, and, and people were leaving the house at 5 a.m. in traffic because they were like, well, it's better for me to wake up at five and leave the house at like five 30. And, and so that I can get in the office in like two hours instead of two and a half hours. Oh, my heart. Hurts. I was lucky enough that I was only 15 K away and it took me an hour, but I knew people that were traveling for you know, 30, 35 kilometers, about 20 miles away. And in, yeah. in bumper to bumper conditions all the way to work and back paying at least 20 to $25 a day in parking fees sometimes getting fined because, you know, they paid for parking until five o'clock and they, they left the office at seven o'clock and they were like, oh my God, only to find out that you have a 30, you know, bucks fine on your windshield. I mean, I've seen them all and people don't want to do that anymore, whether they want to be employees or, or, or entrepreneurs, that doesn't matter. What we know is that there's a unanimous, uh, you know, idea that people don't want to waste, you know, precious self-care hours, hours that could be spent doing anything else, really. Some people want to go to the gym. Some people want to, you know, like go out with their friends, be with their kids, whatever it is. But people don't want to spend, you know, every single waking hour uh, going to work, coming back home and being in the office. Well, here and here's the thing, too. Um, and I've seen studies done on this. You like whether you are paid hourly or whether you're paid salary. Uh, if you take that salary and you divide it into an hourly rate based on 40 hours a week, 52 hour weeks a year, like uh, like I think it's divided by 2080 or whatever it is, uh, they determine that the average commute to and from the office, if you factor that as work time, because hey, you wouldn't be doing it if you weren't working, yeah. reduces your hourly rate by something like an hour and 20 cents on average. Mm -hmm. or a dollar or a dollar and 20 cents on average uh so you're already taking a pay cut just by commuting uh the second thing that you know the second thing that i point out is uh this you know, this whole thing about uh 
uh, you know, about traffic and such, you know, that's a reflection of infrastructure. The infrastructure is not caught up yeah. to how many people we have, plain and simple. That's why you get these bumper to bumper traffic jams. So now you're dealing with uh, traffic jams, uh, you know, the stress of moving in uh, five miles an hour and the constant stops. So you have to be super alert and then they'll have quote unquote road construction going on to make it even worse. And then, uh, and then, and then, there, and then I think a lot of commuters will know there's always that one bullshit red light that you, that, uh, that just adds 10 minutes to the commute. And so you spend two and a half hours, uh, traveling from 5 AM to 7 30 AM because you're supposed to be in the office at 7 30. Woe betide you. You show up at 7 31. Now it's a 20 minute conversation about the need to be punctual. Mm-hmm. So you're not even eight o'clock in the morning and you're already defeated for the day. Yeah. What's up with that? So with my lifestyle, um, I, as I, as I like to tell people, cause I occasionally get folks uh, who work with us and they have still a bit of that corporate mindset about them and that, uh, you know, structured work day and all that. And they ask me, well, what are my office hours? And my answer is, what do you need? Uh, when do we need to have it done by? And what are the lines of communication so that we can keep we can keep each other updated? Uh, the part that I don't say out loud is that, so if we need to make any changes to this for whatever reason, we're in contact and can get ahead of it. But the bottom, my bottom line is, is, well, my working hours are whenever the work needs done. That that that's it. I don't work nine to five. Uh, there are times I I go several days, just really intense, and then there are, then there are times when I might basically blow the entire week off, and that reflects changes in my energy, changes in my situation that simply are realities of people in particularly in creative and executive type work modes. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, nine to five work or shift work or anything is not necessary and it's not valuable, because as you pointed out, some people thrive with that structure and we need those people. They we we can't do what we do without them and they can't yeah. do what they do without us. We need each other. We are in this together. So I never put somebody down for making the conscious uh-huh. choice that they want that they want to work a nine to five Monday through Friday job. Good for you. If that if you thrive on that then you deserve to thrive and you deserve to be successful in that. And I support you in, in getting, in, in making that work for you. Now for myself, uh, I have a few simple rules. Uh, first of which is I never take any sort of appointment or telephone call between 10 o'clock in the morning because I'm just not mentally ready yet. And mm-hmm. uh, I only do it on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because I need a couple of days where I don't have anything scheduled. Because uh, when I go, when I do work, I do deep level trance work. I and you can't do that knowing, hey, I got two hours, but then I got to then I got to stop and take this call. Doesn't work that way. When I get into it, I know I might be diving into it, and I might be in it for twelve hours, and I need that, and I need that clear runway to do it. Also, yeah. I discovered that uh, my most productive time tends to be between oh about. 10 at night and one in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that's when I do a lot of my work. And uh, for somebody to tell me that it's not really work unless I'm sitting in some cubicle working from nine to five with an hour for lunch and two mandated 15 minute breaks, that just doesn't fly. Again, there are some, there are some people who thrive on that structure and there are yeah. some industries that require that structure. Manufacturing, uh, service and retail, 
uh, you know, law enforcement, firefighting, uh, government service, those types of things do require that type of structure. And at the same time, uh, even within those, there is sometimes room for flexibility. But I think it's just, I think it's just a matter of, and you raise some really great points is you've, if you're looking to hire remote workers, you gotta, you gotta interview for different things because interviewing to make sure they're going to show up promptly at nine o'clock and take exactly one hour for lunch and be back in your cubicle promptly at 1 PM. That's not what you're interviewing for in this case, because this remote worker might be doing their work on their laptop while they have laundry running in the background and uh, the game show network on TV for backroom noise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, 100%. Yeah. So that's the, those are just some things to keep in mind when, we, we do this. So, uh, so another thing that you love to say is to, and I love how you say this, don't snooze your morning along morning alarm. And this is about creating a personal plan for health play and passion. So that I really latched onto. So tell me a bit about that. So here's the thing I've come from, again, like I I've always been a morning per- No, actually, no, complete opposite. I've always been a night person i dj'd for 10 years okay and i worked full time (laughs) while i was djing uh for about five of those 10 years and so i was really like always like destroyed in the morning and most times again the 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 best time for me to be productive was was at nighttime right like making music and, and and shows now here's the thing i've noticed that for me now waking up early in the morning at 5.30 a.m. and getting started on the most urgent tasks for the movers, I only do movers in the morning, is the best time for me to work because I'm fresh and it works very well for me. For you, yes. Yeah. And I train my staff members on working on a same, not schedule, but on the same mentality. But here's the thing, what I've noticed, and I even talk about this in the book, in uh, since I moved to Italy in the past couple of uh, months right now, is that because of time differences, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if it's 5 a.m. to 8 or if it's 8 to 12 or if it's, you know, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., whatever it is, um, because of time differences, you cannot always say, OK, I'm going to do this at a certain time and so on. What I say, though, is that when you wake up in the morning, whatever time you wake up in the morning, try and really not again snooze your your alarm clock just sit down and figure out from night before actually you should be doing this figure out what are your movers for me like i said it's either write a thousand words for my blog or if i'm in writing mode for my book it's to write maybe like a third of a chapter or something whatever it is uh and then when you wake up in the morning literally you should have you know like blinders on just go to that task your brain has two different modes there's the workers mode and the managers mode. You cannot have them both at the same time. You cannot be the manager and the worker. Okay, let me let me jump in here just for one second because I want to emphasize this. You said you can't be both the manager and the worker at the same time. As entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. the reality is we do have to be both. We have to bifurcate those is my point of view. Does that sound about right? Yeah, and so that's what I was yeah. saying. At the same time, meaning... You cannot expect yourself in the morning to wake up, look at all, you know, do all the planning for the for the year, and then two seconds later just be doing something else and then switch back to your planning mode. Or I mean, you could, 
But the best way to do it that has been proven is to allocate a time slot for planning and then a time slot for doing the work that you've planned. And so that's why I'm a huge proponent of before you go to bed, look at your calendar, study your calendar, put the tasks in your calendar, uh-huh. envision yourself. You know, tomorrow I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to, what do you do? Like, I, what do I do? I, I wake up, go to the washroom, make a cup of coffee and just start writing, right? Whatever I am writing, that's what I do. And so when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I find myself with my computer open on Google Docs, already typing. And that's when I'm like, oh, I'm awake. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, like, I'm like, wow, like this becomes so natural. And the cool thing is that I have this agenda uh, the hundred day goal by John Lee Dubis actually uh, yeah. that I've been using for years. And this agenda is cool because it'll like, again, it's a planner, but you can use any planner. And so the night before I write down what I'm going to do on my five thirty to eight o'clock slot for those two and a half hours. And so right. when I wake up, I make my coffee, my eyes are still half closed and they just peek at the agenda. I'm like, okay, take a glance. And I'm like, okay, thousand words on this specific keyword for my blog, sit down, and I just stopped typing. And slowly after my second, third, fourth sip of coffee, my brain starts waking up. I'm already, you know, doing things on, I wouldn't say on autopilot because the quality of the work is still very good. But I don't have to worry about, oh, what keyword am I going to, oh, first off, I don't have to worry about, am I going to, you know, write a blog post? Am I going to write my book? Am I going to answer emails? Am I going to plan? I already know exactly what I need to do. I just read it. And again, you know, I remember when I was a kid, my parents be like, you got to pack your bag for school the day before you got, and I was like, that's so boring. Who does that? But you know what? Mm. I am right now, just like my parents used to be, I literally love the idea of waking up in the morning and knowing exactly what I have to do because it gets me going faster and more productive. And, you know, who hasn't heard about eat the frog, right? Like that mentality of if I've already, you know, brought my business forward, there's, there's, a, there's a little checkbox at the end of each day on, uh, on this agenda that I have that says, Am I closer to my goal today than I was yesterday? Uh-huh. And the cool thing about eating the frog and working like this this way is that I could potentially check off that box with the yes, with a big yes, as early as 8 a.m. Because between 5.30 and 8, I've already worked on my mover. As a matter of fact, if you look at my schedule after that, yes, I still work on movers most times. But even if I don't do it, I'm not going to go to bed, you know, anxious or stressed out because guess what? The things that matter were taken care of as soon as I woke up. And so that's really the power of, of not snoozing and working right away with clarity on the most important thing of the day that sometimes, you know, some people think the most important thing may be putting out fires. Well, of course, if you wake up to an email of a pissed off client that wants to cancel, and maybe it's a huge client, Maybe that is a very important thing, but generally speaking, there is very, very, very little instances where I, where I feel like, okay, I got to work on something else uh, other than the growth of my business when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. So part of what I do is uh, I have a, a, an account with Teamwork, which is a well-known uh, project management uh, solution you log into online. It doesn't have anybody in it except myself. It's only for me. 
And what it allows me to do is two things. One of which is to look at it and plan my day. And I usually do that right before I'm done with whatever having with business for the day is I, I look at it and say, so what's coming up tomorrow? What's going to be the day after? Have I loaded in everything that needs to be here? Do I need to, does, is tomorrow looking a little light where I could pull some more things in? Is tomorrow looking a little mm -hmm. too heavy where I might need to push some stuff back? So I already kind of know where things are going as far as the next day. Another purpose of it is it gets things out of my email. So I'm not using email as a to-do list. If there's a, I mean, it's so easy to just take any attachments from an email and attach them to a task or take the body of the email and paste it in the comments of the task. So I have it right there. I'm not losing anything and I don't have to be back and forth with my inbox. So I can let my inbox go during the day. Uh, yes. People who pay me know that if it is an actual this cannot wait emergency to use this thing called a telephone and press 10 numbers or they have my Skype and they know how to open it up and type got a sec. Yeah. And they know that they know to do this when it cannot wait. Otherwise I have weekly meetings scheduled with each and every one of them. And the purpose of the weekly meeting is so that things don't fly off the handle or get lost. It's uh, and sometimes that meeting is five minutes of just, Hey, here's where we are. Sometimes it's an hour-long strategy dialogue. It's just whatever's needed at the time. So, yes. and then the other thing I do is, or there's two other things. One of which is there is a technology that I think most of our listeners have heard of. Uh, Boomerang is one of them, but there are others like it. It's the idea that you can write an email and click send on it, but scheduled to appear at another time. So what I'll do is yes. uh, when I'm zeroing out my inbox and I see things that need replied to, I'll reply to them but I'll set it so the recipient doesn't see it till the next day. So the reason being is I want it to go out and stay out because what happens when you're cleaning out your inbox and you start you know, replying to people, then they start replying right back and now your inbox isn't empty anymore. Yeah. So it'll come back the next day. But meanwhile, I ended with a clean slate. And then yeah. finally, I don't look at communications. I don't look at email. I don't look at social media. I don't listen to voicemail because I don't really get any. Uh, most of my calls are scheduled. And uh, anything that is a voicemail, my assistant transcribes for me and or sends me a summary of it. Uh, uh, or she handles it if it doesn't require me because most of them really don't. And, um, and with that, uh, I don't start my day until I've done something that you call a mover. Yeah. Whether it's something that's actually made money, whether it's something that's brought me cl some closer to making a deal, uh, something in my marketing that's going to attract more prospects and customers, booking some podcast appearances that will get me more reach and introduce me to more people, whatever it is, I have to have accomplished something. And, and, the, and the low road way of describing that is even if the rest of my day goes to shit, it wasn't a waste. The high, yeah. the high road way of saying that is I start on a winning streak. Yeah. 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 So that's so. And, and again, these are just real simple things that we can do uh, that allow us to even manage things at that level. So when I say I'm emptying my inbox, I'm emptying my inbox. Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not closing it. And then if I peek at it two minutes later, there's all of a sudden five more messages in it. No. Close. Mm -hmm. 
So final thing, we have a few minutes left here. Uh, I love to at least speak a little bit because we've covered at least indirectly most of your points, but there's one we haven't touched yet. And it's about getting a constant inflow of leads. You have something called the AOS system. And tell us about that and what it does to help you sell your product or service on repeat. Yeah. So here's the thing. I come from an outreach background. Okay. So cold outreach specifically, like I said, I used to work in inside sales. And so when I started uh, creating content online, I have an Instagram page with almost 50,000 followers. It's not that many, but you know, enough to give me some leads, even passively, so to speak, by just creating content. Um, And in the podcast, of course, it's also another big uh, place where I create content. And I realized one day that I could actually do both, <laughs> meaning I could create content and and build my brand and my and my brand awareness online, and then use outreach as a way to drive traffic to my assets. And then, of course, once we once we get someone on the phone. Um, we have a, a big brand behind or not a huge brand, but we have definitely a better brand than someone that just does outreach or someone that just creates content. And so the AOS system, which is basically the short form for attraction, outreach, and sale model. So what we do is we create daily content on Instagram. We have a weekly podcast. I used to have even more episodes, solo episodes on my on my podcast. I'm going to start doing it again soon. Uh-huh. Um, and then we have uh, virtual assistants that send out no less than 150 messages per day. Yeah. Okay? And so here's the thing about that. We have what we call, well, here's the thing about sending outreach messages. Uh, I have a virtual assistant because I don't want to use a bot. People are smart. They don't want to interact with a bot. Oh, I can tell when it's a bot. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So what we do is we have a step-by-step message sequence, of course, but what's cool about this and that going back to those 15-minute daily meetings that I was talking about, I have my sales uh, team members uh, getting on the call every day with uh, one-off questions that uh, prospects ask me. And so the beauty of this is that they have a one-off sheet where they enter all my answers to those one-off questions. And so over the you know two, three, four months, uh, we had created an amazing, you know, uh, like an amazing uh, t- set of templated messages, re- responses to any possible question that someone may ask. You know, even though we have a message sequence, again, there are human beings on the other side, they ask questions that go off script. And so if you don't take care of these one-off questions, your team members have no idea. Let me give an example. If our goal is to get someone on the phone and book them on the phone, uh, but someone asks, hey, I've seen your website. We see what you, I, 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 look, I looked at your website. I see what you do, but can you do instead of X, Y, Z, can you do X, Y, and A? Um, my team doesn't know, right, yet. So they would go on the phone with me. I'll tell them yes or no, or we will create another reply and, and answer that then again ends with a call to action to go back on script, so to speak. And so we do this multiple times. Uh, we have these meetings uh, every day and, and, and all of a sudden, my team members are just as nimble as I would be yeah. uh, answering these questions and getting people booked in my calendar. Um, and so that's what we do. Now, we don't do it only for calls booked. 
Uh, right now, we started a new program just uh, on February 15th, I believe, or something like that. Um, and this new program is just to get emails into our email. Uh, we're, we're working with lawyers. So we are messaging lawyers. And I have this person working for 700 bucks uh, a month, $4 an hour, uh, collecting emails through outreach this way. And we have about 250 emails. It's, it hasn't even been a month yet. Probably just four weeks right now, uh, if that. And so the beauty of this system is that people, um, they see a message, they click on my profile, they see that I'm an active member of these social platforms, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or whatnot. They probably yeah. Google my name. They find out I have a book. They find out that I have... Uh, podcasts and whatnot. And so they're now more inclined to talk to me. And so that's what the outreach, uh, sorry, the attraction outreach sale model comes from. The attraction comes from, you got to be an attractive, you know, uh, per personality online so that people then start to trust you with their information. Then you do outreach once you've created this brand and, and then the sale becomes that much easier. Wow, that's great. All right, so one thing I do want to make sure we cover, and if you could just give us a list, because um, uh, we have about a minute or two left here, yeah. is I did promise people the five-step step success blueprint. I believe you cover this in your book, but uh, which I'm going to tell people about in just a minute. Uh, just tell us what those, that five, those five steps are. Absolutely. To become a remote CEO or in general, to have a business that's fully remote where you are on there, you're building a business, but still living your dream lifestyle. You need first off to have the right mindset. So the right goals, you need to prime your subconscious because you got to change your old mentality, right? You got to be good at this, making good decisions. Then, then the second point is brand recognition. Like I said, creating content such as this podcast or anything else that you can make online. Writing a book is also a great other you know, way of building your brand and getting featured online uh, on ma magazines and publications. Then the third area is, of course, the selling area, the attraction outreach model, like we talked about, uh, funnels and all that great stuff. Then the fourth area is build your team. Like I said, you've got to be very good. You got to first off map out your team. You got to find the right hires. Like I said, it's not easy, but you with the right system, you're going to find people that thrive in a remote work environment. Uh, and then the fifth and last area of the, of the framework is lifestyle design. Now you have this great business. You have more free time and to spend with the people you love or doing things you love. And, and so that's when you really need to be serious about planning the perfect lifestyle. And again, it's not only about having fun, but it's also about taking care of yourself because if you're not able to take care of yourself, like you probably know, Adam, you're not going to be able to be consistent with your work. You're going to have peaks, but then sometimes you're going to crash. And like I used to back in the day, but once you build your perfect lifestyle around all these things, the bit so you know, well-being, fitness, whatever whatever it means to you, you're gonna be able to thrive and, and be a top performer for years on end without ever crashing. And so these are the five areas of the remote CEO framework. Wow, that's that's really awesome. So, you know, you do have a book, and I do want to make sure that uh, people are aware of it. It's called Smart Business Better You, the Entrepreneur's Guide to Health wealth and happiness and this can be easily found on amazon i think i might be uh, grabbing me a kindle that as well because yeah. i'm always looking for that slight edge and uh, you have another thing too 
And I just want to uh, point this out. It can be found, uh, just look in the show notes uh, for this episode. It's the 10 Millionaire Mentors ebook. Uh, yep. That is something that I would encourage. It's basically uh, a collection of some of the best interviews you've had with multi-million entrepreneurs. And I... Yep. Myself, I'm going to grab that because I think that, the, again, always looking for the slight edge. Also, just finally want to make people aware of your website, which is, of course, denerob.com. Now, people are almost thinking Robert De Niro, but it's mm-hmm. not spelled exactly that way. It's D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. De Niro yes. B is in De Niro Bartolini.com. Yep. So check that out. Uh, Everybody, you're going to love this stuff. I've really enjoyed my conversation. Danilo, Danilo Bartolini, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, believe me, in education. Thank you, Adam, for having me. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.